I'm excited to launch into this new series that we're calling Combos with Christ. Throughout the New Testament, we encounter moments where Jesus is speaking to the masses, where he's speaking to the crowds. We also encounter moments where he is engaged in personal conversation, one-on-one interaction and dialogue with someone. And it's in these instances where we see some really amazing things about Jesus and his heart for us as his creation. Imagine having a one-on-one, face-to-face conversation with Jesus. I can assure you there would be aspects of that talk that would change your life forever. And so I believe through these messages that we've got lined up over the next few weeks, he has some things he really desires to talk to us about that can and will be life-changing for us. That being said, I want to pray for us again as we get started. Can we do that? Let's pray real briefly, and I want you to follow me in this prayer. Let's ask him, Jesus, let's have a talk. Open my ears to hear your voice. Open my heart to receive your words. Amen. Short and sweet. It's the first Sunday after Jesus has been crucified. Resurrection Day. Word is getting out that the tomb has been found empty, and we're introduced to two individuals leaving Jerusalem and headed back to what was presumably their hometown called Emmaus. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? I want to approach this first installment of this new series of messages tonight from the subject of, What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Let's make sure we keep everything in context, though, as we get going tonight. Jesus had just been crucified three days ago, and these two people who were apparent followers of Christ had been in Jerusalem while it all went down. And as they're headed back to Emmaus, they're having a conversation about all the things that have recently transpired concerning Jesus and his crucifixion and now resurrection. When Jesus kind of slides in and begins walking with and listening to them. We don't know how long he listened in. We don't even know the exact details of the conversation that they were having between each other, but I would imagine they were discussing and trying to figure out what in the world had happened. I mean, this is supposed to be the Messiah. This is supposed to be Jesus Christ, God's Son, the Savior of the world, the Redeemer of Israel, and now he's been crucified, and by all accounts, he's dead. I mean, there's this strange thing that they heard going on with the tomb, and his body's not there. But they're still probably trying to figure out what in the world has happened. This is not what we expected. We didn't expect Jesus to show up and be crucified. This isn't going according to plan. So maybe they were looking back and discussing prophecy concerning Jesus, trying to figure out where in the world they had missed something. What details had they missed? How had they gotten the narrative wrong somehow? Maybe they were trying to remember some of Jesus' teachings that he gave while he was on the earth that they had heard, trying to find a clue there as to what in the world went wrong, what happened. And then at the same time, probably contemplating what this could mean for the future. How does this change things? This was supposed to be the one that we were supposed to put our hope and trust in. 
He was supposed to be the deliverer. He's supposed to be our Savior. He's supposed to be our Redeemer. And, and now He's gone. What does that mean for the future? Did we miss God on something? That's when Jesus decides to chime in. Which then shows us some really great things about Him that I want to point out to you tonight. So in this conversation with Christ, the first thing that we see is His desire to insert. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that more in depth. While they're walking along, Jesus at this point at the beginning of the story and verses that we just read politely inserts himself into their conversation. They're discussing the things that have taken place and Jesus has kind of been walking along with them for a little bit and he hadn't really said anything. And at this point he, he kind of comes up behind them and he says, hey, uh, what are y'all talking about? Now keep in mind, scriptures give us a clue that they didn't recognize who Jesus was at first. So, from their perspective, this is just some stranger dropping in on their conversation all at once. And to their credit, they let him join in. Had it been me, I would have probably been like, excuse me, bro. This is a A-B conversation, so see your way out of it. I know some of y'all may have never heard that in your life, and I just revealed how old I am. When I was in junior high, all right, that was a cool comeback for people that just wanted to jump in your conversation, all right? I know it may not be cool anymore, but it's still cool to me, so deal with it. But they let Jesus in the conversation, and credit to them, because how many of y'all just have a habit of letting random strangers sit down at your table and join in on the conversation all at once? Probably not most of us. But they let Jesus in on the conversation. You know, it makes me wonder how many conversations... We dismiss Jesus from because we don't recognize him when he tries to enter in. But already we begin seeing the amazing loving heart that Jesus has. These two people are hurting. They're discouraged. They're, they're full of uncertainty. They're full of confusion. And the text tells us that Jesus drew near. And then calmly and casually took an opportunity to insert himself into the conversation. Here's the point I want you to see. He could have kept on walking. He could have kept on walking in silence. He could have just casually stayed behind them all the way back to Emmaus and never said a single word to them to alert them of his presence. But instead, he chose to engage them. I wonder how many of us in this room tonight are thankful that God chose to engage us. Jesus could have kept walking. He could have just casually stayed behind them, eavesdropping in on the conversation, but he decided to engage them. This shows us the desire Jesus has to insert himself into the situations, into the circumstances, into the trials, into the troubles, into the worries, into the stresses, into the confusion of our lives. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 145 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. Acts 17 27 says that they should seek God, perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him, yet He is not, actually not far from each one of us. The text tells us that as they were walking, Jesus drew near. He's near to this place tonight, waiting to engage somebody else waiting to engage each and every one of us in these moments as we dive in to his word. But let me tell you guys something. He won't force his way in unwelcome. 
when he made his desire known to be a part of their conversation, they welcomed him into it. Jesus will not force his way into your life if you don't choose to welcome him in it. But that doesn't change his desire to be in it. He desires to be in your life. Let me give you a strong caution. Be careful that you don't turn Jesus' desire into your dismissal and end up shutting him out. Jesus has a desire to insert himself into our lives in each and every season and walk of it that we find ourselves in. He draws near to his people. But it doesn't just stop there. This conversation that continues with these two individuals shows us his genuine interest. It's not that he has a simple desire to be inserted into our lives. It's that he takes a genuine interest in our lives as well. Go back and look at verse 18 with me. One of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So this man named Cleopas responds to Jesus' question with a question of his own, basically asking Jesus, are you serious? I mean, seriously, are you, are you serious, dude? You, you really don't know the things that have been taking place around here lately? You really haven't heard of Jesus of Nazareth? You really haven't heard of his teaching? You really haven't heard of all the people that he has healed? You really haven't heard of all the miracles he's performed? You had not heard of all that loaves and fishes kind of stuff? You had not heard about Lazarus and how he was dead and Jesus brought him back to life? You hadn't, have, are you the only person? Are you from out of town or something? Because you got to be living underneath the rock to not know who Jesus is and the things that have been going on and the fact that they just crucified him and they laid him in a tomb and that was three days ago and now the world is in shambles and we don't know what to think. Are you serious with this? You really don't know what's going on? And Jesus comes back with what things? And then Cleopas begins to fill him in on the details. If you think that the God of the universe doesn't also carry with him a sense of humor, then let's talk afterwards because, I mean, Jesus is straight up pranking on these guys right now. He says, What things? And Cleopas, unknowing that it's Jesus, begins to explain to Jesus everything that has just happened to Jesus. But it's that simple two-worded question that Jesus asks that reveals so much more to us about the nature of who he is. Jesus didn't ask that question because he was clueless. Jesus asked that question because he cares. He asked because he has a genuine interest in their lives and the struggles that they were going through. That's why Jesus asked. You think he don't know what happened to him? 
He wasn't clueless. He just cared about these two individuals, and he cared about the things that they were struggling with. He cared about the things that were going on in their lives. Let me talk to the ladies for a moment. Some of y'all in this room may one day have the privilege of marrying the man of your dreams. Some of you may be closer than you thought you would ever be. Some of you may think it's probably never going to happen. But let's just say, benefit of the doubt, it's God's plan that, that you end up finding a husband one day and you get married to the man of your dreams. And you do that only to find out, if you haven't already, that your man is never about details in conversation. Never. I'll give you a prime example. And you girls, I mean, I know y'all are laughing because you know this is true. If you've been in a relationship before with any guy, any guy, I mean, there may be a few small exceptions, almost like 0.01% of guys that give details in conversation. Very, very rare. So most of you know what I'm talking. I'll give you a prime example. Within our, within our own marriage, I can ask my wife Ashley about her day, and I'm going to hear about her day. It usually goes something to this effect. Well, it was fine, but let me tell you about what happened. And here we go. It doesn't ever just stop that it was fine. It's the details of every single thing that happened throughout the course of the day. Turn it back around. So you're going to ask me how my day went. I'm going to say it was fine. And that's it. Right, guys? Right, girls? You've experienced this problem before, right? And it frustrates her to no end because that's not suitable for her. She wants to know all the details about my day. She wants to know everything that happened from the moment that I got to work to the moment that I left work and everything in between. So it's frustrating to her because she wants more than that. Now let me talk to you guys for a moment. Don't get annoyed by that. Let me help y'all out with something in the future when you get married and get in a relationship. Don't get frustrated. Don't get annoyed by the fact that your wife wants to know every single detail about your day. That she wants to know every single detail about your life. That she wants to know every single detail about what you've got going on. Because you know what God showed to me recently? I apologize to my wife for the way that I've acted in conversation over the past entirety of our marriage. Because God showed me something the other day. And I've come to understand that a desire to know details reveals a genuine interest, care, and concern about what's going on in that person's life. <laughs> Thank you, Jacelyn. It's not to annoy. It's not to frustrate. It's not to get on your nerves. It's because they genuinely care about the things that are going on in your life. This is Jesus. Jesus asked about the details even though he already knew them. He still asked about them. Why? Because he cares. Because he's concerned. Because he takes a genuine interest in the life of both of these people. He says, what things? Even though he already knows even though he already knows what is going on. He wants to talk details even though he already knows the details, and he's even invited us to this. In Philippians chapter 4, 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Why? Because he wants to hear it. 1 Peter chapter 5 and 7 says, Cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Jesus cares about the details of your life. Are you anxious? Well, guess what? Jesus wants to be in your anxiety. Are you depressed? Jesus wants to be in your depression. 
Are you battling? Jesus wants to be in your battles. On the other side of that, are you joyful? Jesus wants to be in your joy. Are you winning right now at everything around you? Jesus wants to be in your victories. Be encouraged because His interest is your best interest. How many people can you say that you have in your corner that genuinely have your best interest in mind and not their own? Jesus' interest is your best interest. This conversation shows that the Savior of the world is genuinely interested in you and the details of your life. Can I give you some advice? Share them with Him. Share them with Him. When Jesus asked what things to Cleopas, He could have responded with, ah, it's really too much to get into. I mean, I know we got a seven-mile walk. It'll probably take us a long time to get there, but there's really not enough time for me to get into that. How many times has Jesus shown interest in the details of your life and the things that you're struggling and the things that you're going with? And our response when he says, what things are you dealing with, has been, ah, it's really too much. I really don't want to get into it right now. He takes an interest in the details of your life. Share them. He already knows anyway, right? Share them. Have a conversation with him. And one last thing this conversation reveals to us about the nature of Jesus is his compassionate instruction. His compassionate instruction. Go back to the story with me. We'll put back up in verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all of the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? In beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. After Jesus hears the details of his own narrative from Cleopas, he then begins teaching them some things. But there's something I want you to take notice of in the process of Jesus giving them their instruction. And it's quite simply this. Jesus listened to their explanation before he gave his instruction. Now, that may not seem like a very big thing to you. And you may think, well, Trey, why in the world would you make that big of a deal out of that small little detail? Well, it's quite simply this. Evidence of someone who cares is someone who listens. If you don't care to listen, I would argue that you really don't care. Jesus cared enough to 
listen to their explanation before he gave his instruction. Now just imagine, as Jesus is asking about the details of what's going on, and they begin to explain it to them, they're trying to have a conversation about the Word with the Word. <laughs> and we will utterly fall short every time we try to have a theological or scriptural lesson with the Word Himself. But Jesus doesn't get upset with them for not being able to put the pieces all together. Jesus doesn't get angry or frustrated with the fact that they haven't been, they haven't been able to figure out that this is how it was supposed to happen. Even though scriptures made it very plain and very clear that the Savior of the world would come and he would suffer and he would die for the sins of many, and on the third day he would be rose again. They could have went back in prophecy and read that plain as day. But Jesus didn't get on to them because they weren't able to figure out what was going on. When he had the opportunity to explain things that were happening, he didn't say, you morons, what's wrong with y'all? I mean, what, what, where did you miss it at? Now, you think, well, he did, Trey. He called them foolish. Not in the sense that we would think of it today. It's a loving, compassionate way where he just says, hey, guys, you, 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 hey, you missed it. You missed but that's okay. I'm not going to berate you for it. I'm not going to get on to you because you missed the details, because you didn't see what I've been trying to show you. Let me just teach you. The way Jesus gives instruction is in a compassionate and gentle way. He walks them through the scriptures and in so doing, get this, clears up their confusion. Jesus' instruction in our lives always results in clearing confusion, not creating it. I will repeat that again because I think it's extremely important. Jesus' instruction in our lives always results in clearing confusion, not creating it. If you have got confusion in your life about God and who He is and His love for you, I can promise you that source does not originate from heaven. There is an adversary at work that wants to keep your mind as clouded as he possibly can to the love, grace, and mercy of the Savior. Jesus has the potential to clear our confusion. And to that point, I want you to notice something. They got to a rest stop, and as Jesus kept going, they urged Him to stay with Him. So they're tired, it's a long journey, they've been walking all day. They get to a point where they can take a rest, and they sit down, they're going to have a meal. Jesus kind of acts like he's just going to keep on walking. They say, hey, hey, don't, don't, where are you going? Stay with us, we're having some good conversation. We want you to stick around a little bit longer. Listen, instruction from Jesus is something we should invite to stay with us. Because there's never a moment in life that we don't need it. Conversation with Christ brings instruction. It brings wisdom. It brings knowledge. It brings understanding. When it's all said and done, and they finally recognize who it is that they've been talking to this whole time, after Jesus vanishes, which had to have been strange in its own right, here's the guy we've been having a conversation with for, a quite an extensive amount of time. We sit down, and he says the blessing, which don't y'all think it's kind of a cool thing that even Jesus in his completely divine nature now still feels the need to express thanks to God for a meal? It's amazing. 
he blesses the bread and he breaks it and he hands it to them and it says that their eyes were open and they recognized who it was and after that, boop, Jesus is gone. And then they go back to Jerusalem. Now I don't know how far they made it. I don't know how close they were to Emmaus. I've heard some people say they made it all the way just outside the city limits and they went the full seven miles all the way back. Maybe they did, I don't know. All I know is they went back to Jerusalem from wherever it was that they were at. And they find the disciples and they join in on celebrating the risen Savior. All it takes is one conversation with Christ to turn what was once a place of pain into a place of praise. Just one conversation. They went back to Jerusalem. Back to the place where they saw Jesus be crucified. Back to the place of their discouragement. Back to the place of their pain. Back to the place of their disappointment. Back to the place that it caused so much confusion in their life, except this time it's different. It's not pain. It's praise. Listen to me. Aside from everything else we've talked about tonight, only Jesus Christ has the power to take you back to a place that was once painful for you and turn it into a place of praise and celebrating. It's called salvation. It's called renewal. It's called restoration. And only Jesus has the power to do that in your life. Just like these two people, Jesus desires to be inserted into your life. And always, he has a genuine interest in you. Think about that. The God of the universe is genuinely interested in you. Then he also has a desire to bring instruction into your life. Not to restrict you. Not to be a buzzkill. Not to be someone who hinders you from enjoying life. But to instruct you in such a way that you can experience abundant life. And protect you from the harms that you may face otherwise. Let me ask you a question as we finish up. Are you willing to let him in? How far would this conversation have gotten at the very beginning if these two individuals hadn't turned around after Jesus said, what are you talking about? And let him into their conversation. I think some of us here tonight, Jesus has been following along, listening to the narrative of your life, listening to the things that you're struggling with, listening to the things that you have uncertainty and confusion about. And he's fixing to take an opportunity to enter into your conversation. Will you let him in? And if you do, prepare to have your life completely changed and transformed. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for His glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.